in 86. And M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Baby Nation. Baby, baby nation, nation, nation. Actually, is this a Kids Incorporated episode, technically? No, Kids Incorporated is gone. It's if over. it's anything, it's going to be a Goliath Industries Industries episode. But Goliath Industries Industries? Yeah, we talked about that last episode. Kids Incorporated got bought out by Goliath Industries. So Kids Incorporated Inc. became Goliath Industries Industries. Right. A podcast in which I... Yeah, Jack Shepard. I, no. Jack Shepard. Yeah. And I, I... No, wait. I, Goliath Hardbody. Yeah. And I, Mark Markson. I'm new here. <laughs> Talk about the growth industry that is uh, babysitting conglomerates in small towns that may or may not exist in Connecticut. Tell me, uh, Mark. Yes. Uh, what do you think about this new trend of having babysitters who only babysit in the afternoons? I think it's bold. Um, Stop being such a toady yes man, Mark. You're my vice president. And I, I think it's a bad to- idea. Okay. Sir, frankly. Great. I am a little dubious about the idea of young Girls who are still in school babysitting at all. It feels like we should get trained professionals in here, adults. Okay. But I'm not going to tell you how to run a business. I'm pretty sure it's illegal, too. Can you hire 11 to 14-year-old girls? On a contract basis. Uh, On a contract basis. And they're the only people you can find who are free in the afternoons. I'm free every afternoon, sir. (laughs) Well, then we need to be giving you more work here at Goliath Industries. Um, I don't like children, and I don't know CPR, so... It's difficult for me to wrap my head around how you ended up in this industry. I love tennis. Okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, slowly backing out of my Goliath hardbody voice, which, I let me say before I walk into an actual hot, hot intro, I think for people who are just dipping into this podcast, that's a great intro. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they, they missed... turn it on, they see that it's two titans of industry right? talking about... Uh, growth business, right? Uh, talking about a B two C operation, but the customer, but the customer operation that has a huge opportunity for success, uh-huh. and they're going to want to listen more for well, more explosive content about <laughs> living dolls, bees, babysitters, and Jesse's secret language. Hi, 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 and welcome. Wait, let me sign hi. Okay. Uh, should I? Is it? He's waving. Just waved. I think I don't know. American Wave with Sign both language. both hands. There we go. Hi, hi. We're both waving with both hands here. Um, and welcome to the Babysitters Club Club, a podcast about the seminal American novels by American novelist Anne Matthews Martin from from Princeton, Princeton New, New Jersey. Jersey. We just looked it up. Yep, <laughs> we just looked it up on the iPhone. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. And this week we're talking about Jesse's Secret Language, which is book number 16 in the Babysitter's Club series, though this is episode number 17. Great. Love it. Love it. Love that hot content. Love how confusing the numbering has gotten. Let's stop talking. You know what? What? The book numbers don't matter. It stop bringing matter. it up. It doesn't matter at all, does it? It's uh, episode 17 of the Babysitter's Club, yep. Jesse's Secret Language. Jesse's Secret Language. We were introduced to a new babysitter this week. She's not totally new to fans of the series. She appeared a few books ago, but this is the first time that we are having a full Jesse point of view. POV. Tanner and I are going to unpack that for you today. 
Yep. I didn't like it okay. for one reason. Jesse breaks the fourth wall. What? Don't they all? Not really. The framing of this book was it's a book and not its notes. Wait, do you honestly think that all of the previous Babysitter's Club books are just excerpts from the Babysitter's Club notebook? Yes. Don't you? That's how they're framed. No. Why? Well, that this that's how definitely how this book is framed. It's a whole new storytelling method. I think that's something. This is something that Anna Martin does with every book. She brings a different perspective. She's had these books that are a pastiche of a, like dystopian fiction. She's had these books that I don't remember that one. The Truth About Stacy. Okay. Uh, where they have this huge Big Brother ritual. Mm-hmm. They have these books like uh, Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls, which is a callback to the Gothic novel. Uh-huh. And I guess this is her first sort of really postmodern book where the narrator is breaking the fourth wall and we are supposed to enjoy that boundary being broken down. It's like and- Deadpool. It's so hot these days. Breaking the fourth wall, letting yeah. the audience in, parting the kimono. Yeah. To bring up an expression that we haven't said since episode well, three. Well, and it's, it's perfect for a book that is about fundamentally about language. Okay. I agreed. It is called Jesse's Secret Language. It's yeah. about the language of ASL. I mean, that's superficially what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about a lot more than that. It's about our relationship to language in general. Mm-hmm. It's about a number of different languages. ASL uh, is one of the languages. Spanish. I guess you mentioned Spanish, too, at one point. There are so many different languages that are brought up in this book. But first, I think we owe to the baby nation. Yep. Did you say baby nation with mm-hmm. me? Oh, that's nice. Two episodes ago, we were in sync on Kids Incorporated, and, and you it felt threw so in good. some hot sound effects, and it sounded so good Yeah. that I don't feel, I think, responsibly for the baby nation, mm-hmm. I can't get in your way anymore. Oh, wow. Okay, this is great. So anytime I stutter something beginning with a consonant, I'm gonna try gonna to I'm gonna try in. to meet you there. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I'm yeah. not necessarily always gonna know where you're headed. Should we try? We'll bring back one from uh, from a few episodes ago. Kid Army Corporate. Fuck. It was Kid Army. I fucked it up. But we're not going back. Listen, I think we owe to the baby nation a description of what the fuck happened in this book. Okay. If you're just tuning in and you stuck with us past our discussion of high-level business circumstances of Goliath Harbuddy and Mark Markson, who I think nobody so far is a fan of. This is a little segment that we like to do where I give a very, very brief synopsis of what happened in this novel. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I'm going to let you fill in all the details in our little 60 seconds. To Do we have a name for that? 60 on 60? 666, 60 seconds. 666. Six, six. Run to the hills. <laughs> we'll have to get in touch with Iron Maiden to see if we can use their song, Run to the Hills, even though it probably <laughs> make more sense to do Number of the Beast. <laughs> I like 666. Yeah. 666, uh, 60 seconds. A little segment that we have always called the Number of the Beast. <laughs> I feel like we're going to turn off some of our more religious listeners, if we keep bringing up, well, it's not our fault, it's Karen Brewer's fault. Yeah. Which is in the occult and Satan. Yeah, we're just expositors of this dialogue. This podcast is an exegesis. What happens in the narrative itself stays in the narrative. Am I right? Woo! Whoa, all right. Spring break. Listen, here's what happened in Babysitter's Club, book 16, Jesse's Secret Language. Like all towns... 
The sleepy little town of Stony Brook is filled with people who have eyes to see, ears to hear, and mouths to speak. And yet, they are blind to injustice. They are deaf to the desperate cries of the downtrodden. And they are silent in the face of the oppression, intolerance, and hatred that threatens to engulf them and destroy their society forever. What irony, then, that the last remaining hope for this short-sighted, unhearing, and unfeeling community lies in the actions of one deaf child who just maybe can teach them how to hear and how to listen. Jesse's secret language. You got anything to add to that, my man? Give me 60 seconds. I'll add the actual plot of the book. (laughs) I feel like I gave the broad strokes of it. All right. What the hell happened in this book? Tanner Greenring, 60 seconds starting now. New family in town. The Braddocks. Haley and Matt are the children. Matt, deaf. Can't hear a thing. Profoundly deaf. Deaf is what it's called. Uh... The Mrs. Braddock needs a babysitter, only person who's available on Wednesday and Monday afternoons from here to infinitum, is Jesse Ramsey, who learns sign language so she can talk to Matt. Uh, Jesse Ramsey is also a ballet star uh, and gets cast as the lead role in a ballet about a living doll, Jack. <laughs> Um, she decides to do something nice for the deaf community in Stony Brook and Stanford, Connecticut, invites a team, a class of eight-year-old deaf children to the show, and it goes off without a hitch, and everything is great. Ten more seconds. What do you want to say? Um, she makes good friends with her enemy, whose name is like Annie Rose or something like that. Okay. Who hates her, but has a deaf sister, and she wins her over by um, being nice to her deaf sister. Wow, that was really good. You, get, you didn't get the name right, but fucking hell. You gave us the entire plot of this book. Yeah. And you know what? I almost got hung up on the name of the play. Didn't let myself. The girl in question is called Katie Beth. Katie Beth. There are these two girls in Jesse's class. And Jesse's dance class, her ballet class, is a lot like... It feels like if you've seen the movie Black Swan. Yeah, a little bit. It's not quite as... There's this like intense French ballet teacher uh-huh. who's always playing favorites. And Jesse and kind of descends there's into all this... like schizophrenic madness and is sort of like manifesting characters who she's seeing out of the corner yeah. of her eyes sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, and eventually, well, I guess I won't spoil the movie, but yeah. uh, it gets it gets pretty dark. Yeah. She has a hangnail that mm-hmm. she picks. Yeah. And it kind of tears off all the skin on her finger. Yeah, and it's because of an abusive relationship with her mother right. that she is essentially is just totally obsessive about success, but she's lost sight of what it means to be happy. Yeah. Um, and these other girls... Hillary and Katie Beth, who are in her class, are consumed with their rivalry and can't deal with the fact that Jesse is the best dancer and is going to get the big part, the right. Swan Hilda kind of go go out of her way to yeah to sabotage and Jesse. Everyone dies in the end. I feel like everyone dying in the end is neither the plot of Jesse's secret language nor Black, Black Swan. Swan. That's true. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> Well, yeah, I just went on my own. I think we really lost the thread. (laughs) Um, Do you want to talk about dolls? Man, do I. (laughs) Here's a segment called, um, we got to come up with flashier segment titles for all this. Yeah. Seven Deadly Doll Sins. That's pretty good. Seven Deadly Dolls. Maybe this segment will be like um, the sound of like a, a mobile, like and then it'll be like a record scratch and it'll be like and it goes, somebody's going seven deadly doll no, watch someone in the back, background is going one two yeah. three 
Man, okay. I hope you're editing this episode because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, there's a living doll in this book. To tell our new listeners real quickly, Copiera. just one sentence, why are we talking about dolls at all? Well, we're talking about dolls because, frankly, Anna M. Martin can't stop talking about dolls. <laughs> yep. It comes up in every book. Yep. At first, I thought it was a fun joke. Oh, there's a lot of dolls in these books, and they talk about them a lot in this way that it makes it seem like the dolls are in charge. And then it just kept happening. Yeah. And then it was like every book, there's a mention of some kind of living doll. Yeah. Not just dolls, living dolls. Dolls who are influencing the thoughts of others. Yeah. This book, The Living Doll, manifested itself early on in the play that Jesse's ballet class is rehearsing for. Coppelia. Coppelia. Mm-hmm. Which is a Italian ballet about a doll maker who creates a doll so beautiful that a man falls in love with it mm-hmm. and seeks it out. Yep. And his fiance, whose name is Swanilda. Swanhilda. Swanhilda. Which is the part that Jesse plays. Needs to sort of take on the attributes of the doll mm-hmm. and remind her fiance, like, it's not the doll. It's, right. It's me. Do you know the rest of the shit that happens in this play? No, I didn't look it up. The, Too scary. The doctor, his name is Dr. Capellius. He creates this living doll that's so beautiful that this character called Franz falls in love with it yep. uh, to the exclusion of his fiance, yep. Swanhilda. Franz comes over to try to make nice with the doll, Yeah, and Dr. Capellius is like, oh, that's perfect. He comes in to talk to Dr. Capellius about these dolls, and Dr. Capellius had been looking for a willing subject because he realizes that he can make these dolls come alive if he sacrifices a human. That happens? And their soul goes into the doll. That happens? That's This is a children's book that we're reading, and the subtext is utterly terrifying. In some versions of the play, the doll ends up cutting the head off of Franz, the lover. So the doll does come to life. But in this version, Swanhilda Swan saves the day. Right. She's able to imitate this living doll and cause all this confusion that allows her and Franz to escape. Right. But the plan was to sacrifice Franz and put his spirit into the mechanical doll to make it come alive. Imagine how fucked up that'd be, man. Like you're killed. You, Jack. Yeah. You're just trying to get it on with a doll. Yeah. Something that might happen any day. Any day. Any any day. And then you're killed by an old man and you wake up and all of a sudden you are the doll. Oh, God. And then like some other young man is like lusting after you. You're like, do it, man. Yeah, go for it. Fall in love with me. Take my place. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, Seven Deadly Doll Watch. Yep. So the the idea here for Seven Deadly Doll Watch is that each doll referenced in the Anne M. Martin verse represents one of the seven deadly sins. Right. Mrs. Refrigerator is a a doll from a previous book who obviously stands in for gluttony. Right. Uh, Mrs. Xerox. Mrs. Xerox, very obviously envy. And now we have Coppelia. Yeah. Lust. Oh, yeah. Wow. Number three. Number three. Seven deadly doll watch. Three down, four to go. Put it up on the board. Put it up on the big board, everyone. That's good stuff. Do you want to keep talking about the occult in this book, or do you want to move on to something else? Because there's a lot of... a lot more occult? There's quite a lot. Karen Brewer, a favorite character, young Karen Brewer... Oh, yeah, there's the the ghost party. ...hosts a ghost party in her house. I wrote down the opening for that little ghost party. Hi, said Karen. I'm going to be very busy tonight. There's a ghost party on the third floor. Uh, And you're going to it? Asked Claudia. 
Oh, Are you no, kidding? Don't be silly. Don't be silly. Are you kidding, replied Karen? That would be crazy. But I am in charge of refreshments. All night is going to be my job to take the food from the bottom of the third floor stairs and leave it there for the ghosts. Have we encountered any bad ghosts? They've all seemed pretty friendly. Ben Brewer. Old Ben Brewer. Yeah. Who's a gentle old man who eats dandelions. Yeah. We've got the ghost from the ride at Disneyland who now lives with old Ben Brewer up on the third floor. Yeah. Um, we've got Anus, well, who was never a bad guy. He just didn't want to leave home. I think Anus was a bad guy. Karen talks about the distinction between good ghosts and bad ghosts in this book. And she says, the friendly ones are the ones who smile and call, Hi, Andrew. The spooky ones just say, Boo! You know what? That doesn't scan for me. Yeah. Because if I was in a haunted house and a ghost said, Hi, Tanner. I'd be pretty fucking freaked out. But yeah. if one was just like, boo, I'd be like, oh, oh I see what you're doing. You're doing a ghost thing. Oh, I read it as if they're like booing you. No, have you? Uh, is this an English versus Americanism <laughs> thing? You know, ghosts say boo, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, they're, no, not like they're booing. They're super fucking negative. No, it's like a, it's a scare. They're it's always, a jump scare. They're always belittling you. They're like, they think you'll never amount to anything. You'll never Maybe it's like anything. those baseball players whose name rhymes with boo. And you cheer them on as they come out. You say, oh, yeah, Bruce. Totally. Like, that's a good segue because I want to talk a little bit about football. American sports. American sports. 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 Do, you, do you want to make that into a segment? No. I'm into it. American. This week on the Babysitter's Club, American sports. Yeah, I feel like our audience of people who love the Babysitter's Club books are really going to be into it. American sports. 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 Well, baby boys, baby girls. Who got girls. traded to the Washington Wizards this week? I'll tell you who. <laughs> Popeye Jones. <laughs> Is he still playing? Don't you dare look that up. L- literally, no, like, no one's... People are going to hang on by a thread with what I'm going to talk about next, which is the 1988 New England Patriots. But they're going to hate when you finally come back from your fucking phone and tell us what Assistant Popeye Coach, Jones is up to right now. Um, retired in 96? Nope. Yep. Retired in 96... Currently an assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers. Great. Thanks. Okay. Note to Popeye Jones. Editing this episode. Cut that. Cut out the Popeye Jones stuff. But in this I week's. the Globetrotters. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Okay. I've seen them many times. Yeah? My dad used to bring me and my sister when we were young. He loved it. Are they super good? It's It's a very fun show. I don't understand why they didn't actually just beat regular NBA teams. Because it's fake. It's all theater. It's all choreography. Oh, they plan it all. Yeah. You know what? That That's one of those things that happens where it's like, the last time I thought about the Harlem Globetrotters, I was probably like nine. And you didn't realize And I was. haven't, I literally, between then and this moment, I haven't had any thoughts at all about the Harlem Globetrotters. So I still had this like antiquated like way of thinking about yeah. it. That was like, oh, man, they're so fucking good at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'd say American sports, sports, sports is a pretty rocking subject so far. Oh, it's good. We've got a lot to say. Listen, I want to talk about the 1988 New England Patriots. Matt Braddock, who is the star of this book, other than Jesse, and we do need to talk about him. He's a deaf boy, Uh and Jesse learned sign language to be able to talk to him. Right. And he seems like a good guy. He's a chill dude. He He likes, here's here's one thing he likes. Yeah. Bugs. Oh, does he? Here's another thing he likes. American sports. Sports, sports, sports. As is often the case, we've been talking about this too long to bear the weight of the comment that I'm going to make. Uh-huh. But 
That's right where I like to be. Yeah, that's what, you like sitting on the edge of that. But Matt Braddock, when he finally actually breaks through and speaks to these other kids, like everyone gets addicted to the sign language. Like everyone starts learning sign language because yeah. they think it's so fucking cool. And finally, like the other boys, the Pike boys, all learn sign language so they can talk to him. And the first thing that he says to them is, I think that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. That's insane. 87. 88. 88. That's fucking insane. If you know anything about football, making a prediction that the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl in 88 is just like the dumbest possible thing. It's like saying Dukakis is going to be the next fucking president. In 1988, the Patriots were fucking garbage. Yeah. They went 9-7 and seven that year, and that start, they, you know who they had under center? No, you don't. His name was Tony Eason. Uh-huh. You ever yeah. heard of him? Easing like Sunday morning. After 1988, the Patriots went 5-11, and 1-15, and 6-10, and 10, and 2-14. And one of the worst... Sorry, did you say 1-15? and 1-15, they won one game the next year. Yeah. And Connecticut is Giants country. Connecticut is Giants country. No, no, Patriots. I mean, it's split. But you could be a Giants fan who would literally go on to win the Super Bowl two years later. You know what seems like... A ripoff. What? The Giants and the Jets, mm-hmm. both New York teams, mm-hmm. play in New Jersey. Yep. And they both play at the same goddamn stadium. Yeah, that does seem like kind of bullshit. Just, like, give a team to Montana. Like, <laughs> why do we need two teams, neither of which play in our own state, yep. playing at the same stadium? Uh, it's all about population. Uh Hello, and welcome to Sports Talk sports, sports. Uh, with Jack Shepard and the... The Weasel. Weasel. <laughs> Good. Ironically, I'm Jackie? Jack Shepard. Oh, you're Jack Shepard. Oh, because I got the nasal a voice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the weasel. I'm like the fast-talking nasal voice. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Um, you know what we should talk about? This goddamn book? Yeah. Okay. G- did you... Yeah. Jack Shepard. I prefer the weasel. Did you, the weasel, mm-hmm. have a burn of the week? A keep it going. I'm gonna meet you there. Keep it going. I'm gonna meet you there. Burn of the week. Damn, I fucked that up so bad. Want again? No, I don't. Did you have a burn of the week? No. What do you mean? I didn't have one, man. I fucking looked all over. I tried so hard. I literally could not find a single burn in this book. Did you have a burn of the week, my man? Yeah. Oh, thank fucking God for that. My burn of the week yeah. was this. Okay. One of the bikes. Okay. So the boys are all sitting around eating a paschetti and telling rude poems Oh yeah. about their spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And Margot Pike, who's infamous for having a weak stomach, mm-hmm. is not into the rude poem that Nikki and... Byron are telling about how their spaghettis are worms. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm in a hurl, and runs from the kitchen table and stops five paces away from the kitchen table and turns around and says, mm, gotcha. Yeah, I captured that moment as well where they're singing about worms and Margo almost throws up. What heading did you capture it under? The, the secret rhythms of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> There's more under that head. So one of my favorite <laughs> segments on this show. It sounds like like a Carl Sagan or something. Yeah. And let me just read you the passage real quick. But it was too late. Too late to stop the worm song. By then, Byron was holding a strand of spaghetti over his mouth. First one was slimy. Second one was grimy, he sang, continuing the song. Mallory, shrieked Margot, looking a little green. Oh, no. 
Oh no, not the worm song. Please stop the boys before something goes wrong, said Vanessa Pike, future poet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, my... f- you screwed up the cadence. No, I didn't. Oh no, oh no, not the worm song. Oh no, oh Please no. Please stop the not boys. Not the worm song. Stop the boys before oh. something goes wrong. Now that I realize that it's a rhyme, it makes why, sense. Why do you think they emphasize the fact that she was a future poet? Because I thought that she was worried that like they were going to get the scansion wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> she's, the, she's a future poet and like esoteric, <laughs> academic pedant. Yeah. She saw that, which is, this is how I always feel when they start doing a rhyme is I'm like, oh God, it's not going to fucking scan. They're going to have all these extra beats and like, there's going to be like spondies when there should be I am. Like, <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> that is how I feel every time they do a rhyme in these books. And I was like, oh, okay. Vanessa Pike is on the same fucking page with me. Yeah. You always see the world through pedant colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and in my hubris, I missed that the reason that she was being called out as a future poet there was because she was making a rhyme yeah a rhyme that fit very well into a couplet yeah i guess it is it works it's fine it scans and i was just i was frankly lashing out because i missed yeah something really obvious that was yeah, i know man i was just gonna give you a chance to walk it back and apologize to listen me and margo pike let's talk about language truth and meaning yeah can't wait. This is a book that is fundamentally about language. Yeah, sign language. American sign language. Sign language is one of what I would say are the three major languages. English. American English. No. It's the second one, and the third one is the secret language from the book, The Secret Language. Nope. That's your one for three. Okay. Uh, The second language is the language of dance. Okay. Jesse uses dance to express herself. And Jesse's so much more talented than any of the rest of the babysitters. Yeah, she gets the lead role in. She gets a lead role in Coppelia. These other fucking babysitters who did nothing this book, as seems to be what happens nowadays. Uh Fucking 20 years from now, when they're still in eighth grade, unless Ann Martin thoughtfully releases them from from the time. The oozing amber within which they are trapped. Yeah. Let's imagine the universe in which. Anna Martin released the restraints on time and let them grow up. Is all the time they miss going to catch up with them very quickly and they're going to age oh God. like 20 years overnight? Oh, horrifying. I hope not. I guess that's something we'll have to ask Anne when I she gets so, on the podcast. I hope so, man. Think about that. Think about if you skipped from the blissful days of being a 13-year-old yeah. right to 40 and you miss out on all the awkward like teen and college years and the beginning of your career you just go right to like being a high earner in the like late stages of your career like you're on your second marriage sounds good to me man yeah that sounds actually pretty nice yeah yeah you skip past you skip the divorce you're just on your second marriage yeah you're just on your second you're super happy finally right yeah, that's good. That's good. I can't like, wait for these girls to finally catch up. You got pictures of your daughters in your cubicle. Right. It keeps you going. Yeah. That sounds really nice. That's good. One morning, you go to bed. It's eighth grade. And you're like, oh, man, still dating old Logan. I wonder if he's going to give me his varsity jacket right. or whatever. Uh, or give me his, what is that? What do they call it? Whatever. I think you wear a ring on yeah, a necklace. He's going to give me a ring, some kind of a ring on a necklace. Yeah. As I have been thinking for what seems somehow like years, even though like I haven't aged a day, uh-huh. the next thing you know, you're sitting in your cubicle, your hair is thinning, 
There's a well tarnished promise ring on yeah. a necklace around your neck. Yeah, and you're like, man, that was a fucking mistake. That was eight years of my fucking life down the drain. Yeah, Logan turned out to be a deadbeat, no good, satanist, fucking Satan worshiping, but demon, boy, demon that, summoner. That Louisville accent. Whew. Rock Every time me to I sleep. Hear it, who are we in this metaphor? We're we're a gr- we're a thirteen year old girl, right? Who woke up as a forty year old? I guess, but yeah. like I often do with these books, yeah, I relate to these girls because I'm supposed to. I'm reading these books from their perspective, yeah. But the gulf between me, a thirty two year old man, and these thirteen year old girls is so wide that something always fails to add up. This is Anne M. Martin's obsession: is desperately trying to hang on to your innocence. Yeah. As time ravages you, as adults come in and impinge on your world and try to make you grow up, try to make you grow apart from your friends. Like Stacy got taken by it. Stacy right. got taken by it by time, by New York, by the city, by these. Yeah, she's escaped forces. the bubble. Stacy's probably yeah. like. Yeah, she's probably 19 like, by yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's in college now. She's right. at NYU. Right. They call her, and it's like Claudia and Charlotte. And she's like, huh? Claudia? Kishi, I haven't thought about you in years. You haven't like, changed at all. You still sound so young. Like, yeah. What are you up to these days? Well, and Stacy, didn't Stacy sell her dolls at the garage sale before she left for yeah, New York? Yeah, she did. You know who she sold her doll to? Who? Jenny Prezioso. Oh, wow. You know who in this book is a tyrant monster who goes around bossing everyone around and trying to impose her will on the yeah. citizens of Stony Book? Jenny Prezioso. Jenny Prezioso, who's been taken control of by a doll. That's a strong statement. Uh, yeah, it's a strong statement, Jack. It's just a huge coincidence that two books ago she buys a doll from a garage sale. A garage sale, and now she's this monster imposing her will on the city, trying to get her way. Oh, she's horrifying. Do you want to describe for the baby nation what happened in that scene? I can't actually remember. I just remember she's really mean to Matt Bradford. Jenny Prezioso and Marianne are going for a walk because Jenny Prezioso is being a real brat, and Jesse and Matt are going for a walk at the same time. And Jesse's like, oh, hey, this is Matt. He can't hear you, but he can hear you if you sign language with him and I can translate. And Jenny just goes straight up to him and like yells in his ear, like, can you hear me? Right. Why can't you hear me? Yeah. And like Marianne is so embarrassed and like Matt is just like taken aback. Like, what the fuck is this person doing? But he like doesn't know what's happening. No, he doesn't hear her. And then Jenny just sees a girl shouting in yeah. his face and then jenny just turns to marianne and she's like can we leave now he's weird i don't like him yeah oh it's horrifying and that's like you're gonna hate this because this is gonna bring me back to the point that i was making like 20 fucking minutes ago when we started this conversation stony brook is broken and a part of why it's broken is because language as has come up in previous books is holding it back People are constrained by these cultural norms. There's a norms. lot of things holding Stony Brook and, back, man. Sure. Institutional and sexism, institutional, institutional racism, racism, yeah, ableism. Like, and maniacal, demonic dolls who are controlling everyone in the town right. and dictating their every action. Yep. That's a tough slate of things to be handed with. Yeah. Well, you imagine know? growing up a, a young woman in this town. Ugh. You're just at a huge disadvantage. And you know what I would want to do if I were a young woman in this town? I would want to have a language of my own. I would want to have a way of expressing myself that wasn't tainted by the chains of a patriarchal linguistic structure. Okay. I would want to have a language like, and this is going back to what I was saying, number one, Jesse's secret language, sign language. Number two, Jesse's secret language, Dance. Dance. And the third language 
which speaks to this point is the language of squirt. Jesse's baby pre-linguistic little brother. Uh-huh. I assume you did this because this is the type of person you are. Did you look up all of Squirt's quotes and try to decipher some kind of meaning from them? Why would you think why would you think that I would do that? Because this is the kind of person you are. I'm not gonna look with a language like that that's undefined, uh-huh. you don't go and look that up on Wikipedia and try to figure out what's going on. If you know anything about how linear B was deciphered or about hmm. how hieroglyphics hmm. were de- hmm. deciphered before the Rosetta Did you say linear so, B? Yes. Hmm. Don't don't you dare huh. don't you dare try to tempt me with bees to get me off of this point that I'm gonna make. But here is what I did do. I wrote down I wrote down Oh shit, you went to fucking school for this, didn't you? No. Goddamn linguistics. <laughs> You're always telling me about gleam gleamer. Oh yeah. We, Proto-Germanic. Proto-Indo-European. Proto-Indo-European languages. Yes. And God, what, baby Nation, like we go to lunch sometimes and I'm just like, hey man, what'd you do this for Oh, I read some very interesting documents about proto-European linguistic traditions. Did you know that gleam and glimmer have the same root? It's very stimulating. I'm so glad that that stuck with you. It's the Indo-European G-H-E-L. Um, and glide as well. Glide comes from that same root as well. Here's what I did. I created a table. and. Ugh. Don't your life, man. It's just the, you say things and it bums me out so much sometimes. This is interesting. This is a book that's about language and we have an undeciphered language in it. Uh-huh. It's so interesting. I created a table for everything that Squirt says. Uh-huh. And the definition and the... And, I know you did. I know you did. And the context for why he was saying it so that we can get to the definition. Okay. So we know some undefined ones. We know some ones that have definite, clear meanings, and we can extrapolate from some other ones. Here's what I've got. Squirt, the baby, says, Ubla. Yeah. That's undefined. He says, Mama. Right. Which we think uh, refers to the, his his mother. Right. He says, Dada, which we think refers to his father. Dad. Yeah. Um, he says, Ba, which means bird. Bird. He says, Akamini, which means ice, ice cream. cream. Oh, you know that. Yeah. Good man. He says, Go Blue, which is undefined. Nothing, yeah. He says, Der Bliss, which is supposed to be comforting. He says that when he's trying to comfort Jesse. Right. Uh, he says, Bluga, which is undefined. Right. And he says, Gaga, which is milk. Yes. Okay, he, now bring it home. What, do, what, what are you going to tell me? This is an infernal... The, what no, we're what no, we're no. actually reading is the language of the demons, infernal. Nope, I w- you wish that that was the case. What we're actually reading is the language of the lobster people from the Dark Tower series, Data Chum, and they <sighs> bite off, roll on the gunslinger's fingers. Baby Nation, anyone who crosses over who listens to this podcast and also is a huge fan of the Stephen King's Dark Tower st- series, I'm speaking to you personally right now. I want to meet you. Because that is a rare, <laughs> a rare Venn diagram. It's just me and you, man. It's just, it's just, just the two of us. But no, You're... that's not what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to very briefly figure out the meanings of some of the words that are undefined from context of the other meanings. Okay. We know that Bluga was said when he had just dirtied his diaper. Yuck. So we think that the meaning probably means diaper change needed yeah. something like that it's a statement of discomfort possibly well here's what i've got uh ga the phoneme ga appears yeah. in a word that we know ga ga means milk so i think that ga by itself liquid. must mean some kind of liquid yeah so <laughs> blue therefore must mean waste 
Liquid waste. So blue gob means liquid waste. Yes. And the only other one that I have, and this is there, I don't have a ton of this, but you know, it's, it's we have a very limited. This is this is what it set. This think about this is must have been what it was like when Alice Kolber. Oh man, finally, tell me about it. Alice Kolber finally cracked the code Ugh. of linear B and figured out. And she was looking huh. at she was looking at this language. Huh. She was looking at these fucking like random phonemes, like all these like hieroglyphs. Didn't know what they meant, and she realized like, wait a second, wait a fucking second. Blue god, liquid waste. Go ahead. What okay. was the other word we didn't know? Uh, the other word that we don't know is go blue. Okay, so we know blue is liquid, and so. She and what says, is the context? The, the context is she says go blue. He says go blue when Jesse is waking up her sister Becca mm-hmm. by bringing Squirt in to wake her up. And Becca wakes up and Squirt looks Becca in the face and he says go blue. So he says something. Huh. Liquid. Waste. Oh, blue is waste. Blue is waste. Something waste. Go. We don't know. We have no context for go. Maybe I mean, like is, maybe yeah. it's like don't waste today. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's like, really nice. Embrace. It's today. like carpe diem. Yeah, that's great. See, it's pretty interesting, right? I guess. It's yeah. Not gonna make for very good podcast listening, though. <laughs> I think that was that was well. I'll tell you something. That was fucking the most fun that I've had in a long time. <laughs> yeah, we should just do a language podcast <laughs> then. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you have a Tearful moment. Do we have to do it with a uh, with a t t t t for? We don't have to. If you can come up with another like, what's a lead in? Like babies, like. Record scratch. Tearful moment. Tearful. Tearful moment. I only have two intros, and one of them is ta 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 ta. Yeah. And one of them is nursery rhyme played normally, and then there's a record scratch, and then it's like heavy metal. Yeah. It's Jackie and the Weasel. We're talking about what made us cry this week in the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> We're talking about two things sports and what made us cry. You know what made me cry this week, Jackie? Uh, it was uh, the 1988 Patriots. Wow. <laughs> that Tom- was a stinker. 1 in 15. What was the guy's name? Tony Eason. Tony Eason? Tony Eason under center. More like Tony... (laughs) Tony Weason. Not pleasing. Tony not pleasing. You know what else didn't please me, Jackie? The first thing that didn't please me was Tony Eason, star quarterback of the New England Patriots, totally dropping the ball in 1988. Second thing that didn't please me is a moment in Jesse's Secret Language, the Babysitter's Club book, Uh that made me cry. Yeah. Here it was. Jesse gives this dance recital. She invites everyone from the deaf school to come and see it. She has sign language interpreters. She does shit that, like, I literally wouldn't be able to organize even at 37 years of age as a person who's had a career for, like, 15, 20 years. Like an affluent man of means. Yeah. Couldn't Uh, manage to put this together. Anyway, all that happens. Setting that aside, all that happens. Christopher Gerber, who was playing Franz and I, let go of the people on either side of it. Exact same paragraph i highlighted as my tearful moment well should we talk about it together should we like read it together i wrote no that's weird because then it gets creepy okay i'm gonna read it out i'm gonna read it out for the baby nation okay well baby nation know that this is also my tearful moment. baby nation no baby nation no this is a bscc first we both have tandem tears tandem tears 
Two men, two tears. <laughs> two men enter, two tears leave. <laughs> two men, four eyes, two total tears. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Jackie and the Weasel, <laughs> crying for you. We're shedding tears tonight. Read the paragraph. Christopher Gerber, who was playing Franz, and I let go of the people on either side of us and stepped forward to take our own bows. As we straightened up, I saw a figure climbing the steps of the stage. It was Matt. His arms were full of roses. He walked timidly across the stage and handed them to me. Then he signed, Thank you from all of us. The audience had grown silent. I translated for them. Then, cradling the roses in one arm, I signed to Matt, You're welcome. This is the best night of my life. Matt signed, Mine too. And when I translated that, the audience laughed gently. And then everyone fucking loses it. Everyone's fucking crying. Yeah, everyone, like, people are, like, shuffling through their bags for Kleenex. Stony Brook has shown its true colors in the last couple of books. Uh-huh. It's full of these Jenny Preziosos who, like, don't know how to accept a deaf child. Right. And also, what's the name of Jesse's friend in the ballet class? Katie Beth. These Katie Beths who... Consumed by jealousy. Yeah, is consumed by jealousy, and she also has her own deaf sister, who we haven't talked about, Adele. But right. she, like, refuses to learn sign language. But Sony Brook has shown its true colors, and it's, like, stuck inside these, like, calcified cultural and social norms. Right. And then you bring in a totally new language, a new way of seeing things, a new way of talking about things, a new way of hearing things. And it changes people. And that moment was that. Like, everyone in the audience suddenly realizes what it's like to accept somebody who is different from you. Uh-huh. Is that why you cried? Why did you cry? This is very beautiful. Yeah. I wrote down a fucking ton of tearful moments, man. I wrote down a bunch, but they're not as good as that last that's one. That's the which, is, which I wrote down as true tearful moment. Yeah. I actually, that's right at the end of the book. Yeah. And as you know, I texted you before I got here. Uh-huh. I was running a little behind this week and went to the bar across the street from your house to finish up the last... 10, 15 pages or so of this book and broke into tears while at your favorite bar. <laughs> and I hope Don't that triangulate. Do not triangulate by naming that bar. It's not, its name is not important, but I hope I didn't embarrass you as someone who is seen occasionally at that bar with me. You're going to go there, the bartender's going to be like, hey, you know that like tall friend of yours? You'd be like, yeah. He's like, yeah. he came in the other day, didn't say a word to anyone, bought a beer, sat at the bar, pulled out a Kindle, and just started crying. Just started is he, is he okay? Yeah. He was reading a children's book. <laughs> it was a very touching moment where a deaf boy like expresses himself to a babysitter. I mean, that is touching. Um, so I got a, few, a couple things really briefly that I want to touch on before we wrap things up. One is, and I don't know if it's the dolls or the bees or the witches or the demons. Or the ghosts. Or the ghosts. But it's been a long time since we read a Babysitter's Club book. That was about these girls coming together and solving a problem. These yeah, books, they've been at odds. They're just like Claudia is just like in the depths of Ugh, despair. I gotta man, like you not know what? to not to like interject. Yeah. I'm worried about Claudia. Yeah, because as I said earlier, this book introduced this new framing device, which was first person written narratives from the babysitters oh, wow. as they're written in the notebook. You think Claudia? And we books. got one from Claudia. Yeah, and it is so comically rife with. Yeah errors and spelling mistakes that it looks like it's written by like a toddler yeah 
yeah, what's going on, man? Like, you, like learn to spell. You're in fucking eighth grade. I think this might be back to the infinite sadness of Claudia, though. Yeah. Well, I think she's just, breaking down. Yeah. She's falling apart. She's falling apart, but I kind of think everyone else is falling apart. What did Don get up to this week? I don't know. She was from California and had long blonde hair. She was from California, and her hair was flaxen. Yep. The final thing that I want to briefly address with you before we wrap things up, if you are able to touch your nose with your tongue, uh-huh. it will mean that you eventually will need a very big bra. For what? Like fishing? What would you need a big bra for? I mean, that's I'm just reading from the text here. Uh-huh. The girls early on have a conversation uh-huh. where they say that if you are able to touch your nose with your tongue, you would eventually need a very big bra. Very big bra. What for? I don't know. What would you keep in a bra? A very big one? Yeah, a large one. The thing that comes immediately to mind is like rocks. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I guess like it's like a sling? Yeah, it's like David and Goliath. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we put that to rest. Is there anything else you would like to say? Let me check my notes. I don't think so. Anything else you want to say? No, man. I got it all out. I got it all out for once. No, we got all my notes. Oh, here's something I'd like to say to the Baby Nation before we wrap up. Baby Nation. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Do us a favor. Give us a little rating on iTunes uh, and give us a little review on iTunes if you can and feel like saying something nice. I like to read them. Tanner, do you read them? I don't read comments because you're deeply insecure. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Profoundly. So don't leave any... Yeah, well, actually, yeah. If you leave a nasty comment, Tanner won't read it, but he'll have expected it. Yeah, but just don't. Leave nice comments for me. If you have something nasty to say... Just say it about Jack. He can handle it more. Yeah. He can, he's better equipped to handle it. I'm a it. tough guy. I can deal with it. Yeah. So, yeah, please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a rating and a review. Like our page on Facebook. Check out our website, babysittersclubclub.com. Yeah, Jack puts tireless hours into writing up our show notes every week. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who reads it. So <laughs> go, yeah. g- go give it a look. Right now it's just for Tanner. Yep. Go for Tanner. Sounds cool when you say it. It is cool when I say Go that. Go for Tanner. Go for Tanner. Go for Tanner. Go for Tanner. If you ever it's run a marathon, kind of I'll shout that to you. I'm running a 10K in a few weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, if you do that four times over and then run three more miles, I will shout go for Tanner at you right at the end of that. Sounds like you're saying go for Tanner. Go for Tanner. Like I'm a gopher. Yeah, that's cool. Go for Tanner. Listen, this, what you have been listening to has been an episode of the Babysitter's Club Club. I have been Jack Shepard. I have been Gopher Tanner. Gopher Tanner. What we read this week was Jesse's Secret Language. Next week, we're going to be reading a Marianne point of view, and I'm hoping things are going to come back into focus a little bit. We're going to see these girls actually interacting with each other and solving a problem together instead of just like Wait being a second. at odds. When was the last time we had a Christy POV? Christy and the Snobs. That was ages ago. When was the last time we had a Marianne POV? Who cares? M- Logan likes Marianne. No, it wasn't book 10. It yeah, it was. Book 10 books. was the last time we had a Marianne point of view. Wow. We like, haven't heard shit like from Marianne her. and Christy kind of get the bum's deal when new babysitters are introduced. Yeah, they just put it off. And Marianne and Christy, to me, are the two main babysitters. Yeah. And they've just been in the background. It's the Jack Shepard and the Weasel of the Babysitter's Club. Oh, wow, that's true. That is exactly true. But finally, next week, we're going to be reading a little book that is called Marianne's Bad Luck Mystery. Huh. Sounds intriguing. I'm pretty excited about it. Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, 
you'd think boys had just been invented. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Miss Martin, I'm glad I'm glad we finally have you on the show, Ann. <coughs> Hello! <laughs> uh, it's me, Annie Martin. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. Calling in from Stony Brook, Connecticut. Calling in from Stony Brook, Connecticut, <laughs> where I live. How are you, Jack? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. You're looking very handsome today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I got a quick question for you. Did you write these books about bees? No, I wrote them about dolls. 